Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Movies, Films, and Flicks podcast brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash shark. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Theme song definitely captures Mission Impossible 2. Right. Perfect. So uh, that was, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably not the first one we've heard that theme song, but this is the first one we've done with that theme song, and we've got to edit out a certain part of the theme song. Oh, dude, keep that in. Really? Yeah, why not? Yeah, all right. We'll do it. Okay. What you got to ask yourself is, would Tom Cruise and John Woo keep it in? Oh, probably. They keep in a lot of stuff, so yeah. Well, yeah, Perfect. Welcome to, another, uh, welcome to another episode of Movies, Films, and Flicks, everyone. I'm your host, John Lasfoff. This is actually another special episode of Movies, Films, and Flicks. But first, let me introduce my co-host, as always, Mark Hoffmar. Hello, Money Penny. Oh, there we go. And returning back to the podcast is my Shark Dropper colleague, Robert Lamb. I'm only here because I heard we were going to bond today. Also, apparently eating sushi. You should see how yeah, much sushi Robert is, is eating right now. Yeah, I'm so hungry. <laughs> it's, it's like good. it's like you're eating half the Pacific right now. That's right. They didn't need that many fish. Right. <laughs> well, Scuba covering uh, Connery first because you know we have. Well, wait, hold on. I just Splice, uh, Thunderball. Yeah, that's true. We should uh, we should mention what this uh, why this podcast is so special. I mean, for you know the usual reasons. Right. But uh, today we're actually covering James. Uh, a classic film franchise, the James Bond movies. Actually, it's probably the main reason why Robert's here. Yep. He has a weird fetish for James Bond, actually. I love him. Yeah, he can't go a day about talking about James Bond. You can't either. No. So, well, Robert, you have a fetish, right? Yep. But I'm more of like, I'm not a part-timer, <laughs> but I'm not like a fetish guy. So I'm more of like a, I'm like a knowledgeable person who knows my boundaries, you know, I, I, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know my boundaries. Right. <laughs> you know, he uh, he has a fetish for James Bond and sushi. Apparently, his safe, his safe word is uh, scaramanga. Yep. Scaramanga or knickknack. All right, so <laughs> hey, hey, boss. For the, for the purposes of this podcast, we're not going to go through every single movie because this podcast is only about forty five to forty five minutes to an hour long. So I think like the best way to approach this is just to go actor by actor. What do you guys think? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh let's start off with the OG Bond, the guy who kicked everything off and just Lazenby. 
Yeah, Lazenby. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no, the uh, let's start yep. off with uh, Mr. Mr. Suave himself, Sean Connery. Well, Why? thank you for uh, having me. I just uh, I wanted to pick the rapist for six hundred. <laughs> yeah, the <Yeah. laughs> <Le> tits now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, listen. When most people talk Bond, um, whenever the conversation comes up, who is the best Bond? I probably four to five is Sean Connery. The guy had a great run. Some of the movies got kind of soggy, but you, he, he is quintessential. What I liked about him was he was he was violent. He was he could pull off the arm grab with a plum, and I don't know. I there was just something about him. He he was effortless in his bondiness. Yeah, he's he's smooth, collected. He's just. Like, you never worried, like, when he was Bond, like, he's... The, although, he could play vulnerable, like, not even vulnerable, like, he got into trouble a lot of times where he would be captured and stuff like that, but you never worried about him being able to get out. He could, he'd always get out, and, and he's, there's, like, parts of it where, I know we mentioned this before the podcast, the misogynistic kind of nature of James Bond, it all originated with Sean Connery, you know, <laughs> smacking the girl's ass when he asked to go get a drink and, and you know, that kind I of stuff. I don't see anything wrong with that. Right. <laughs> he, did, he did an interview, too. I, I, I forget who it was with, uh, but he, in real life, Sean Connery is like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with, you know, smacking your wife if she gets out of line. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, he was yeah. from a different time. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, I have a question, though. In all the Bond films, I think you're right, though. Whenever he's surrounded in trouble, I don't think I ever, like, when, what was it, in Goldfinger, when he had that laser pointing at his balls, never once are you worried that he's going to get hurt. I don't think he was worried that he was going to get hurt. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for a Bond? I think it's an okay thing for a Bond in the sense that he was the original Bond. So people didn't really know you know, how long this Bond series is going to last. So the fact that, you know, obviously he's the main character, he's going to live, but he could have still played it a little bit more vulnerable as other Bonds have, especially like Craig. I think Craig is like the first one that's really like taking it to another step where you kind of, you feel for Bond more than you did, especially if you want to even, I know we haven't talked about the Moore era yet because we just started, but the Moore era, like, you never felt like Roger Moore was really in danger to it. And it was almost like a comedic kind of, how's he going to get out of this situation? Where Sean Connery was more serious, but you still didn't, you didn't feel like he was ever in any real threat. I think the only time that I was, I was worried for uh, Sean Connery was in Dr. No with the spider scene. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Crawling, yeah, like, crawling yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he freaked out. Like, this guy, like, there's a scene in the movie where that what is his name? Professor Dent shoots six bullets at it and he stays so calm. He's able to count how many bullets are being shot at him. Yep. But when a spider gets near him, he freaks out. I wonder if they just like put that in there with him when he was sleeping, like literally and, and that just freaked him out and kept the scene. But that was just a tarantula, right? Like it wasn't, yeah. it couldn't technically, I think they thought that spiders back then, like tran- or they thought tarantulas back then were like poisonous and stuff, but they're not. <laughs> But the problem is, like, most Bonds, like, I feel like they know everything. Yeah. Like, uh, in what, Her Majesty's Secret Service, like, any Bond film, they know how to drive every vehicle. So yeah. I feel like uh, it's a little bit of a plot hole there that that uh, Connery freaked out. I wonder if his toupee was going to fly off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, also, in Dodge, you know, when that, when that spider is on him, I love the music cues, like, as he's hitting it. Like, the music goes with him smashing the boot <laughs> on the spider. It was like a dunt. 
dun, 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 like as he's smashing it. And I just thought that that was pretty funny. So is that where Sylvester Stallone got his inspiration for Rocky? Oh, no, yeah. wait. Who, no, wait, who <laughs> yeah. wrote that song? That was the that main inspiration for Rocky, actually. It wasn't a dun, 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 dun. Yeah, he just getting strong now. He just played Doctor No on a loop. Gonna fly now. (laughs) So, guys, I have to. I have to ask. Wait, would it be the eyes of the spider instead of the eye of the tiger? Oh, how many eyes does does a spider have? Uh, Or is that just legs? That's their legs. (laughs) You know the difference between legs and eyes, right? Nope. Is it like thirty-two, sixteen, sixty-four? I don't know. You know, if Levengood was here, he would know the answer. Yeah, Yeah, he would. He's literally a doctor in that. Or uh, yeah. a spider doctor. Well, yeah, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> he heals spiders. So, guys, I have to ask, as was previously mentioned, Sean Connery is almost universally praised as the best Bond. Do you guys agree with that sentiment? Is Sean Connery the first Bond also the best Bond? It's always hard being a follow-up to something, whether it's a sequel or, you know, taking a character from somebody else who's established that character already because Sean Connery was the first. Everybody compares every bond to Sean Connery. They don't compare more to Craig too often. It's usually like, does Craig beat Connery? And that's just what it is. So are you attributing to to the fact that he was just the first, the trailblazer? I think that's part of it. I do think he was a good bond and I think he was suave and he played the character well. And I've read a few of the books uh, by Ian Fleming and I think he, he fit the part well. Little known fact, like they were actually trying to get Cary Grant to play James Bond American, in the first one. An American, yeah, they they wanted Cary Grant just because they felt like he looked the part. He was suave and debonair. Like that's just Cary Grant was like at the top of the world, like in the the fifties. But he 60s. wasn't a what? Isn't a James Bond character Scottish? Like a he's British. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. okay. Okay, okay. Anyway. But, yeah, but, that, but then we have to get the Skyfall to talk about that. So that's like, true. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, so they wanted Cary Grant, but Cary Grant said he would do Dr. No, but he didn't want to do any sequels, or he didn't want to be contracted to any sequels. Well, and they said, no, we want somebody who's going to be – because they wanted this to be a long-running franchise. They knew that from the start. Yeah, they at the time, Connery wasn't a well-known actor. He was uh, – Now, this made him – This is uh, He was an up-and-comer. I think before that, he was just like a – I think he was just like a bouncer at uh, certain, like yeah. certain clubs, which explains and, and, his physique. Yeah. And didn't he get the role where I think one of the producers was worried that he wasn't good looking enough, but then he took his wife. One of the producers took his wife to go see Connery in a film, and his wife was like, "Holy crap, he's attractive." Yeah. So like that's kind of that. how they they sold it. He just he kind of emulate like if they captured his sweat and made it into a, like a cologne, it would just be called man. Like he kind of captured like that like. I don't know. He he was the suave, manly spy. Yeah. Who stopped caring towards the end of the series? That's okay. But. That's that's my only problem with him is that I I love Connery. Like I love him as Bond, and through the first four films, I think he's great. Uh, I've heard that his favorite film to do was From Russia with Love. Like that's his favorite one of the Bond films. But when you when you watch the first four, I think they're all great. But then it gets to the point where You Only Live Twice comes out. And then after that, he came back later on for Diamonds Are Forever. And both of those, I feel like he was just phoning it in. And you can tell he's so bored with the character. And, like, that was the only thing that, like, I, l- I love Connery through the first four. But then after that, he just he just lost it for me. Yeah, and he wasn't even phoning it in. I feel like he was calling somebody, and they were calling somebody to phone <laughs> yeah. it. Like, Especially Diamonds not, Are Forever. He did not want to be there at all. 
Like, and it got kind of embarrassing with "You Only Live Twice" when he kind of became Japanese. Oh God, and, uh, that was like, so he just, racist. He just didn't care. But like, I'll tell you what. No, we'll get to it later. But I, I'm a. I was born in '82, so I'm kind of a product of the '90s. So my favorite, like, um, emotional-wise Bond film is Goldeneye. But I think my the best Bond film is From Russia with Love, and that's why I would have to put Connery as my favorite. Because From Russia with Love, I don't know, I love the bad guy. I love Red Grant. I love the fight scene on the train. I, wrote, I love, what, Rosa Klebb. Uh, I love the, 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 the backup. Uh, his, um, his sidekick was Ali Karim Bey. Mm-hmm. I just loved, that's my favorite Bond film. So I guess that was my favorite performance. It was different. So I guess that's why I put Connery as number one. I actually read the From Russia with Love book, and it's 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 shocking how much time in the book that Anne Fleming gave to the character Red Grant. Like they really built him up to be like this badass guy. Like they talked about how in the book, like it talks about how he he was like this guy who had no name and that you know was just recruited to be like this villain, and he he would kill animals and kill people without like people finding out and stuff. And he was just like, he had no emotions. And I, I think uh, Robert Shaw really brought that to life in the film. Yeah, he right. nailed it. He, I, I love that fight scene on the train. I love that they, uh, movies nowadays would not spend that much time in a single location. Mm-hmm. And I know they moved around on the train, but I don't think any movies would do that nowadays. I mean, they probably wouldn't make gypsies seem as uh, stereotypical that's but, right <laughs> but other than, well actually though that sherlock holmes too did that kind of but um yeah like i i don't know it's it's I, I love the sidekick i love the scene where the guy um what the alley rests the gun on bond's shoulder and he mm-hmm. shoots the woman yeah or the guy coming out of the woman's mouth and of course sean connery being sean connery is like she should have kept her mouth shut yeah yeah <laughs> always having those little quips yeah, I uh, all right. So that's a maybe for you, Robert, as far as Connery being the best. No, I think he is the best. Okay, I think, but part of it is the fact that he was first. Yeah, I think that that you have to attribute that to him in the sense that that's what drives a lot of people to compare other bonds to him because he was the first. But I also think he was the best because he established the character well, and because I've read some of the books and like the early books, they they do. I mean, it comes across as that who is who James Bond is. And Mark, uh, you also agree that Connery's the best? I guess the way I look at it is, so we have Indiana Jones, right? Now, let's say years from now, there's five under Indiana Jones. And they're all good in their own right. But people would still be like Harrison Ford. Right. Mm. So, I listen, like, uh, I don't know. I, I think he is because, I don't know, Brosnan. Yeah, you know what? I'll go with Connery. I'll just leave it there. Let, I... I agree with uh, Connery being the best. I think, you know, Robert and Mark have uh, explained it pretty pretty well. I just want to add that Connery, the way he portrayed Bond, he, you knew that he was the good guy, but you didn't, you didn't feel like he was com- like a squeaky clean. Yeah. Like he wasn't a guy to be messed with. Like he, and, and, he had like yeah. this aura of like uh, danger. I mean, that sounds kind of cheesy to say but it's true it's true like you know he was uh sophisticated he was always like uh well-dressed but he knew how to shoot a gun he knew how to throw throw a punch he know he knew how to seduce a woman like he was a guy who could get what he wants and like i feel like out of all the actors to portray bond connery kind of depicted that kind of aura of james bond the best i do this 
this is gonna sound random. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Right? No, you're good. Like, but um, like, so I think every Bond has their has traits that are great. But I think if you judged all five of them, like let's say we took all what what is it six Bonds, yeah. and we put a list of you know best person who could throw the best punch, best um, you know action star, most suave. Connery's not always going to be number one, but he's always going to be one or two. So if you average out the scores, he would probably be the consensus number one because he kind of embodied, like you said, he was kind of cold. Was it in Thunderball when he's dancing with, um, was it Fiona? Yeah. yeah. And he uses uh, and his dance partner as a meat yeah, he uses her as a bulletproof vest. In, in uh, Dr. No, he kills that Professor Dent in, in cold blood because yep. he shot his six bullets. Uh, the guy... He was kind of stone cold. He would kill people that were unarmed. And what Brosnan did that in The World is Not Enough, but after that he kind of – Brosnan killed that uh, woman, but then he had like that sad look on his face, yeah. which kind of wrecked the situation. So I think that if you took a consensus poll, Connery would come out on top. Right. And I do want to say like I, I talked about him not really being vulnerable in the sense that you never thought he was going to get hurt. But I think between Dr. No and From Russia With Love – which they don't show on camera. They said that he went on a mission and he actually got shot and they actually show like his scar and from Russia with love in the very beginning when he's in a car with a girl, he's got his shirt off and she like mentioned like a scar on him. And I think that was kind of like a little way. I think he actually did have an injury and they were just kind of pointing it out. Like that was a real injury that they just put into the film. Oh, I thought that was like something from like a book that like they just uh, referenced. It might have, I don't remember it. Um, at least not in from Russia with love, the book, but the fact that he had that scar, like, I think that that was also kind of showing that, you know, he wasn't invincible. And the fact that they gave him that his new Walter PPK in uh, Dr. No was showing him, like, okay, you had this accident where your gun, you know, didn't fire when it was supposed to fire. We got this new weapon for you. Try this out. And, like, that was kind of their way of showing showing he was still kind of human. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, Connery, as amazing as he was, he can't play James Bond forever. Eventually, someone had to had to take the unenviable job of replacing him as James Bond, yep. and that man's name was George Lazenby, that famous guy. <laughs> oh, and like you know, he, I, I was watching that um, Everything or Nothing documentary, and he got the role for James Bond. He he ran into the casting agency. He snuck past past people. He jumped in. He did an audition. He convinced the casting agents that he had done movies before. And they got him to like the final interview and he finally laid out the truth to one of the broccolis or one of the producers. And uh, George Lazenby was like, listen, I've never acted before. And the guy's like acted. He's like, you just fooled two of the top casting agents in the world that you'd acted. So he got the role from there. So like it was just kind of so a if you're fruity. listening at home, folks, uh, <laughs> if you want to get in that next blockbuster movie, just to uh, lie to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> You know, no, he Robert. Was, he was Australian, oh. right? Like he was. Yeah, Austra- he was Australian model, right? He wasn't. Yeah, he never acted before. It should be mentioned that Lazenby only appeared in one movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, one Bond film. Yeah. So, guys, what did you think of Lazenby in On Her Majesty's Secret Service? So, pound for pound, I think it has the most character of any Bond film, which isn't a bad thing. Like I don't know when I first watched it, I, I don't, I didn't really appreciate it that much. But then I thought about it, and then I watched it again, and I love this film. I think the ending's beautiful. I think he throws the best punch. I think it has the best plot. I think Diana Rigg is one of the best Bond girls. I think it has some heart. I think it has chicken allergies. Uh, I think it has. <laughs> yep. 
a great downhill skiing scene. Oh man, and that ha- scene and it has is awesome. Quite, yeah, and it has quite possibly the longest escape scene from a Swiss Alp layer in the history of the world. So you got to appreciate it for that. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I saw this movie when I was pretty young, when I was first getting into Bond. I remember my dad used to watch Bond like all the time. And eventually I got into it and I started watching him. And I remember I came across this one. I was like, that's not Bond. Who's that? And he's like, no, this guy played Bond, but he only played him one time. So we watched it. And it was just kind of like it's slow. It was slower moving than any of like the Moore films, which I was I was brought up on like Roger Moore. So I was waiting for like goofy antics and just craziness. And there's nothing of that. There's no real like gadget gadgets. Um, it, it was just kind of it was different. And I didn't really appreciate it then. But when I went back and watched it, like I realized like that it's a really good Bond movie. And people didn't realize that when it came out either because it. People didn't like. They didn't really like him. They missed Sean Connery and all all that. And and as a movie, it was very dour. It was very sad, especially the ending. Mm. And uh, but I do want to say the ski chase scene is one of my favorite scenes in a Bond film. And uh, Christopher Nolan said that that was inspiration for him with Inception. Oh, when they're at the snow fortress. Uh, the snow fortress. That oh. was. He said that it was Honor Majesty's Secret Service, like that whole ski chase. I don't remember Leo DiCaprio like uh, skiing on one foot. <laughs> like, well, well, oh, well, this didn't uh, happen to the other guy. They had cameramen going backwards, holding cameras, right. to get those shots. Like that was state of the art how they did that. And Mark is uh, like, Mark. You uh, you're a PA. If someone asked you to ski backwards holding camera, would you do it? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I've done some crazy things, man. I've been out in the Everglades chainsawing, and and uh, yeah, no, that's another story. The music, but, uh, the music for that scene too, which is actually the theme of uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which was back to instrumental. Like they they got rid of yep. the actual singing, like bringing in artists. It was just instrumental, and like that instrumental theme is amazing, and it works so well in the action sequences. Guys, uh, uh, so how? Uh, how do you think Lazenby, his performance as James Bond, James Bond compared to Sean Connery's? What was the big difference? All right, well, someone someone said something. Um, they were talking about um, Dalton as Bond, and they said that it took Connery a while to fill in those shoes as Bond. It took him a couple of films. So Lazenby didn't have that chance. Uh, I think I, I think he was, next to Daniel Craig, I think he was the most athletic of the bunch. I think they cast him because he could throw an awesome screen punch. Kind of looked like a Harrison Ford type thing. Um, but I don't know. His act, his acting was wooden, but I don't know if that was the director's fault. I I don't know. I, it's really hard to put him in one movie and compare him to them. I like him more than Dalton. I like him more than most of Moore, two of Connery, and uh, two of Brosnan. Yeah. Right in the middle, I'd put him. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely he's on the lower spectrum for me, but that's because he didn't, you know, obviously play in more films. His his acting wasn't the greatest, but he wasn't an actor. That's obvious. But I, I've heard a lot of people say like if Sean Connery was in Honor Majesty's Secret Service and not Lazenby, it would have been like the best Bond. It would be oh, yeah. at the top, and I, I can kind of see that. But I do want to point out that I remember reading an article about like why. Honor Majesty's Secret Service is actually considered one of the best Bonds now, like after all these years. And they're pointing at like just these different things, like how this was like really one of the first ones where James Bond was kind of human. A lot of people tie it to Casino Royale, like where they kind of gave him some human elements and where they actually had him fall in love, which kind of was Casino Royale with Vesper Lynn. 
And uh, in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, there's even a thing where he's getting he's getting chased, right? He's getting the ski chase happens. Then he escapes into like this little town. And he's like running through the town. He's, and he's actually hiding from the bad guys. And the bad guys are looking for him. And, and like you can just see like he sits down on a bench and he's just he, – he drags up his uh, coat and he kind of just sits there and like hopes they don't find him. And that wasn't very James Bondish to me. Like I just expected him to like hide around a corner and just, just ready to punch them when they turned. <laughs> but it, yeah. that never happened. He was actually scared for his life. You, you can kind of see the fear that he's, he's hiding hoping they don't find he him. He had that vulnerability that Connery never had. Right. And that 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 came out, especially when the ending. Which are we spoiling it? I mean, like he got married, and his wife dies, and like Ugh. Irma Blunt, Bunt, oh. Irma Bunt. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, but Diana Rigg, though, we got to throw out props, props to Diana oh, yeah. Rigg. She's oh, yeah. one of the best Bond women. She's she's she does her own thing. She loves. She's actually really good at driving. She's good at skiing. She woos Bond. She's she's just a badass in that role. It's cool because he fell in love with her. Like he. It wasn't just a Bond girl where, like, he was just going to, like, sleep with her and that was it. Like, he actually fell in love with her. And she was actually, like, she was cute and she was quirky and, like, they kind of – they didn't have, like, the best chemistry. But, like, you can you could see, like, Diana Rigg was throwing, like, her whole – I mean, she was she was acting. I mean, she – you could feel, like, for her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be uh, mentioned that, you know, Lazenby only had one movie, but not because – you know, he didn't get like an unfair shot. It's because he kind of messed it up for himself. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Through that beard, and he didn't want to shave his beard. Yeah, it's just, uh, he just, I don't know. He just, you could say he kind of walked away himself. He was just a jerk on set. And yeah. Like, I mean, he made fun of Diana Rigg. Like, there was a thing where he made fun of her breath during kissing scenes. He said she, she would eat garlic on purpose. And she's like, I never did that. And like, <laughs> he just made up stuff. He wouldn't shave his beard on the red carpet. He wouldn't. I don't know. He his friend. He talked to his friend, and his friend was like, "Just do one and get out of there. Don't even do any more." And yeah, he like, this bond thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just yeah. He ruined it for himself. It, uh, yeah. So Lazenby had uh had one movie. Connery actually came back after that. Oh for gosh, Diamonds Are Forever. No, just uh, that was in seventy one, right? Yeah. yeah at that 71. point, though, Connery was way past like uh his prime. Well, at least his Bond peak. Didn't they pay him a million dollars to come back? I don't know. Yeah, it was like one point two five and he made the Guinness World Records book, uh Guinness World Records with that. Yeah, that was the highest yeah. to ever pay an actor. Yeah. So we don't have to talk about this movie a lot, but I do I do want to talk about what Mr. Kid and Mr. Wint. <laughs> oh yeah. Um the two like like I don't know. I'll, this has become like big news recently when they talk about henchmen, but they were like the two first openly gay um yep. couple. Yep. And they were like this hitman couple and they were just this weird yin and yang murderers. And then we got to talk about what Bambi and Thumper, the two women <laughs> yep. that, that Connery has to lazily battle. And, and they do the most unnecessary dance moves and splits. And then he holds both their heads underwater and probably the worst fight. One of the worst fight scenes in Bond history. I wanna... so you, have two of the, you have two of the best henchmen and then two of the worst. Yeah, Diamonds are Forever. It's uh, interesting. It's not a great movie, but it's something you should definitely watch if you're a Bond fan. Just... Well, Here's, so you get the whole experience. Here's the thing, though, is a lot of people attribute the kind of craziness of gadgets and quirky attitude of James Bond. Uh, they attribute that to Roger Moore. But actually, it all started with Diamonds Are Forever, I think. <laughs> like, that's where it got, like, really crazy, quirky, kind of dumb dialogue sometimes. The characters, like, there's a part where he's fighting uh, – 
Kent or whatever that Kent and Went or whatever Kid and Went, and he's fighting him on the boat, and he like ties his hands between his legs and then pulls him, and he makes like this, ooh, and then like flips him <laughs> over, and then he explodes in midair, like that, like that, that was the stuff that came later into the Roger Moore era, but like. You can't fault Roger Moore for that because that was the producers deciding this is where we want to take Bond. And they started with Sean Connery, I feel. Hey, speaking of Roger Moore. Yeah, wait, one, <laughs> one quick thing, John. Your favorite car stunt is in Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, yeah, the that's side, right. Sideways car. All right, uh, okay. quick aside. The, uh, there's, a, there's a set piece. Like, there's a scene where like, uh, Bond has to get a car on sideways to fit through an alley. So you see him going, kind of coming out on the left side. Yeah. But as the uh, you see uh, the car coming out of the alley, the car is on its right side. So it's just uh, someone kind of messed up. Yeah, it was just uh, they cut the camera angle. I guess they just like shimmied it the other way, like during the take to make it look like for some reason the car just flipped inside. It's the alley. just how many how many ways can a car go in an alley on its side? Like. Apparently more than one. What's cool it though, sucks because it's a great car gag. Like it is, you know, I, it's when real I work on sets with like car stunts that would take days to film. Mm. And so you have all these people on set just for this one car stunt. And you think so like the script supervisor would have been there and been like, eh, yeah, this isn't right. But yeah. I guess it was just the freewheeling 71 yeah. diamonds are forever. Phase. Just another reason to watch diamonds are forever. I guess. <laughs> but that's, yeah. I mean, and that's what uh, James Bond's known for too is like, they always try to do these over-the-top stunts, and they always try to do them usually like they, they actually try to do them, whether it's a cer- certain bungee jump or a jump off of a cliff or parachuting. Like It's always like a real stunt, and that's what James Bond's known for. Right. All right. Well, moving on to Roger Moore. It's kind of weird. Like If you take out Diamonds Forever, which I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. You go from Lazenby to Moore. It's such a huge juxtaposition. Lazenby only had that one movie, but Moore probably had. You go from like the shortest tenure yeah. to the longest tenure. Yeah. Roger Moore had about seven movies, eight, eight movies. Or wait, yeah, seven, seven, seven well, movies. Live and seven. Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker. So, as Robert, it's a seven, yeah, because uh, Sean Connery was in six. Yeah, because uh, so Roger Moore for a lot of people, including Robert, yep, is the the James Bond that they kind of. Grew to love, yeah. for good reason. They have plenty of time <laughs> yeah. to get to know Roger Moore. <laughs> yep. So, all right. So, Roger Moore. He has about seven movies. There's plenty Close. to talk about. What's the? Uh, I don't know. What's the? How do you uh, interpret his depiction of James Bond? All right. Well, I'll go into why I like more, in the sense that I grew up. Oh, with hey, oh, hey, oh. Hey, yeah. All right. I <laughs> I I like more because I grew up with more and that was the one that for some reason his movies were always on TV and and as a kid they were more fun to watch because there was all these crazy stunts there's these crazy characters and more was kind of more jokey. I understand now that his movies aren't the best. Mm. There are I but I think I think he's got like hit or miss. Like I I liked The Spy Who Loved Me a lot. I liked For Your Eyes Only a lot. I even thought Live and Let Die was pretty good. My but, favorite uh, Bond uh, song, actually. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, lo- I loved all those. But I get it. A View to a Kill is not that great. <laughs> Moonraker is pretty bad. Octopussy's, eh. I mean, there's, I get that. But my first movie I ever watched that was James Bond was A View to a Kill. That was the first one I ever saw, which 
wish it wasn't, but it was, and that's why there's kind of like the soft spot in my heart for just Roger Moore. I also want to say though, the reason why I like Roger Moore is because you can see in every role he's always having fun. He's always having fun with Bond. Like he's always. You can tell that he likes being Bond, whereas Sean Connery, you could tell he was bored being Bond. And and Roger Moore, he, he kind of he said some funny things. He's like, I was getting paid money to be a grown up schoolboy. Like yeah. he was just getting paid money to do all this stuff. And and even like View to a Kill, he had a sense of humor about it. He was like, I was only four hundred years too old for the part. Yeah, <laughs> he knows. And, and like, what I like about him though is. All right, so the Bond films get ridiculous, and I never felt that he was that comfortable with violence because he was a um, – oh, man, why can't I think of the word? He was a um, pacifist, and I, I never felt that comfortable with him. Like, you know, Connery, he had that smolder with women, but I always felt uncomfortable when Roger Moore grabbed a woman's arm or did any of that. Like, I hate using this word, but it felt kind of rapey towards yeah. the end with him. But what I learned when we started researching uh, Roger Moore, he was like the consummate professional on set. He hit his marks. He was there on time. He showed up prepared and he was just the most professional person to work with. And so even though I think Connery is the better bond, I have more of a fondness for Roger Moore. You would have preferred he, to work with more over. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I, I, he was there on time. He wanted to be there. I mean, when people aren't there, it makes your life miserable. And I could just picture him showing up on set happy, you know, handing out chocolates. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. But um, those Andy's like, just, he, he, he got it. And that's what I like about him. He. He 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 got the cheekiness. He went with it. He was just there for the ride. And I think that's why his stuff that's why you said it was on cable. I think a lot of people are very fond of Roger Moore because it's family friendly. They grew up with his stuff. It had more of a, a current uh, attention span. They're and, fun. I mean, they're fun movies. They're not overly dramatic. They're, the the action sequences are just fun and, and some of them are even goofy. But like I read his uh, his book Bond on Bond, and it talks about him, you know, playing James Bond, and he is—he's just like a humble guy where he says like he thinks Daniel Craig's the best Bond now, and he knows that he's like oh, I wasn't the best Bond. He's like I know my movies got ridiculous. He's like it wasn't always my choice. Like that's just what they asked me to do. He's like I knew by the time Octopussy was gonna come out, they wanted me to, or I think it was For Your Eyes Only. He's like by that point, I was like you know what I think I want to be done with this, and they. They couldn't find anybody. They couldn't find anybody to replace him. So they're like, no, please, do one more. Do one more. So he's like, all right, fine. Like, they're paying me. I'll do it. And uh, he liked doing it. And that's what he said. Like, that's the only reason why is he just wanted to keep doing it because he liked being Bond. Yeah, it was uh, It was such – if you compare it to Connery, it was such a huge departure. And I think to producers – it was just intentional by the producers because Connery did such a good job as Bond. I felt like that the only option they had to to give someone else a chance was to take a completely different approach. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you want to replicate right. another Connery? Why don't we just take the character, character in a whole different approach? It started with Lazenby. Lazenby didn't work out because, you know, he was being, you yeah. know, an anti-Roger. Well, I felt like they brought Lazenby in to be, like, kind of the darker Bond, and it just it, – yeah. they they found that at that, that time way. it didn't work out. Like, that's yeah. not what people wanted then. It probably would work out really good now because people like that dark grittiness now. Yeah. And uh, Roger Moore, he just <clears> – <throat> I think he, he got it. Like, uh, he, I think he knew what the producers wanted. They wanted, you know, James Bond that was all about having fun, Yeah, I guess. And I, I think – I'm going to argue something – or not argue, but I'm going to give you guys a theory – I think the Roger Moore films, his character, Roger Moore's Bond in his films has more memorable moments than all the, like all the other Bond 
For so, me, like the memorable moment that stands out <laughs> is the uh, escape where like he jumps on that crocodile's head. Yeah, <laughs> like, and let die. Uh, yeah. uh, that you know they really did that. They tied down alligators and the guy ran over them. And then what? Kanan- Kananga? Kananga? Yeah. Kananga? Like he blew up in that scene. Then you have Sergeant Sheriff Pepper, Pepper uh, yeah, running Pepper. around like an idiot. In both then, of like, them, he was in Man like, with the Golden Gun too. And like the Man with the Golden Gun, you have the car spin uh, where they built where they he, he jumped the car over that water and they added that weird whoop yeah to it. the whistle uh, you know spy who loved me you had jaws you had the submarine car and then you had the the uh patriotic the the what the union jack parachute uh barbara bach was in that moonraker went to space because of star wars so in 79 <laughs> they wanted to copy that yep uh and like for your eyes only I don't know if people remember that, but I love the I love the mountain scene at the end. I don't remember anything about Octopussy. I just remember a circus. But yeah. then like a view to a kill had walk in and like the evil yeah. butterflies and and uh, like, uh, I don't know. Roger Moore was so old that he had to have, get his hair thickened between uh, for yeah. every scene during that movie. <laughs> and so I don't know. I feel like his his films have the most personality. Yeah, like, I don't think they're the best films. I, I do not. think Honor Majesty Circuit Service has the most, but combined, Morris films combined, they have the most personality to them and the most memorable moments. Like, what was it in the submarine in Spy Who Loved Me? He dropped the fish out of his car. That was awesome, like, uh, though. Yeah, and that like, was that was his idea, I think. He he wanted to do it, and they're like, no, no, no. And I think he did it anyways. <laughs> and like they're like, all right. <laughs> like, I missed out on a lot of this because I didn't start watching the Bonds till the 90s. Like, I watched Goldeneye, then I became infatuated. But I would have loved to have seen these things when I was 10, 11 years old. See, yeah. I watched I them. I would have like, loved uh, Roger Moore. And like, when I grew up, these things, they always, like, there was always some channel, like, uh, just showing like a bond marathon spike yeah. usually like during yeah. usually during thanksgiving or like a holiday yep hey guys john here from movies films and flicks here to tell you about a special offer from audible audible is now offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership just go to audibletrial.com slash shark and choose from over 180,000 audio programs download a title free and start listening it's that easy. Now, one of these books that you can download is Bond on Bond, written and narrated by Roger Moore himself. To help commemorate the series' 15th anniversary, Mr. Moore has written a book that features all the Bond movies, along with a wonderfully witty account of his own involvement in them. From the girls to the villains, from the cars to the cocktails, from the gadgets to the locations, this is the ultimate James Bond book written by the ultimate James Bond. Now, once again, to get this book for free, also to get a free 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash shark. That's audibletrial.com slash shark. Yeah. So, Roger Moore, he's a big thumbs up, I'm assuming, from what it sounds like. Okay. Like, yeah. And I know I'm biased because I did... You know, I liked him when he was like when I was younger and I watched his movies first. But I think that if you took Roger Moore and you put him into any other James Bond, I think he could have pulled it off, too. I think he could have been in in any other James Bond movie. It's just because the producers wanted him to be this James Bond. They forced him to be this jokey one. And it worked because that's kind of how his mentality and that's like just his personality. But I think he could have done dark and gritty because he actually did do dark and gritty in for your eyes only. That wasn't as jokey as the other ones. And there's actually a scene where there's this guy who oh, killed yeah. somebody. He knows that 
is on the edge of this cliff in a car, and instead of Moore helping him or anything like that, he kicks the car off the side of the cliff. And Moore at first didn't want to do that. He's like, my Bond wouldn't do that. And the producer's like, yes, but we want to we want to ground the character again because they did Moonraker before that. Mm. So they're like, <laughs> we, we don't want to be – we want to kind of, you know – get back to Bond's roots, like, we, we want you to do this. And he was really against it, but he ended up doing it, and he, he realizes, like, that's, that helped. I mean, that helped the movie and stuff, so. What was the guy's name? Locke? Locke? Locke something, yeah. yeah. He, like, threw the pendant or something at him and then, like, kicked the car over. Yeah. I will say, in Moonraker, it's ridiculous, but it did have Molly Goodhead, or Holly Goodhead. Holly Goodhead, yeah. <laughs> and then it had the skydive scene where he didn't have a parachute, and he had to get a parachute from another guy... Uh, falling that's a like that's the practical that's a practical effect stunt that i love yep i will say though that roger moore he used a double for every running scene in his films because he felt like he ran silly (laughs) (laughs) well Well, that's a good reason when you're 50 something and a video killed and yeah probably (laughs) yeah (laughs) robert fight scenes in that movie made me so sad i know like like the, the he had the like woo mayday who is what um Oh, like Grace yeah. Jones. Grace Jones. <laughs> She's like 20 years younger than him. <laughs> well, you know. And that movie made no sense. Christopher Walken wanted to destroy Silicon. Was it Silicon Valley? Yeah. And then, <laughs> but the see, chips. the thing is, like, they don't really make the chips. They buy the chips. So he destroys it. So basically, they're not making the chips. They buy them. Yeah. Uh, Roger Ebert had a good beef against it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But View to a Kill did kind of lead us into the adult age because it was pretty serious with walking, mowing down all those people and everything. Oh, yeah. He was yeah, a dark, yeah. dark villain. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, you know, Robert brings up a good point. The producers want to get back to Bond's roots. So that's probably a very good reason why they casted the next actor we have on the list, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. Who only appeared in two movies, who which definitely not seven movies like Roger Moore. <laughs> yeah. Living Daylights and License to Kill. Right. It's oh. clearly, very clearly the 80s Bonds movie. So you they, watch these movies, 80s. it's like everything about these movies is so 80s, from like the hair oh, yeah. to the clothes to the cars. I love it. <laughs> I got nothing against Dalton, man, but I can't stand his Bond films. There was just something so squirrely about his Bond. He just never, he tried to be very dour, but then he'd have these cheeky little moments where he just became, I don't know, he seemed kind of weak. Yeah. I just, I couldn't get into those films, man. I don't know. And they like, what license to kill got crazy with the shark death and Benicio del Toro and they killed Felix Leiter. Yeah, they killed him. Like he was his best sidekick. Yeah. And then I guess he did come back for what Casino Royale. But that was because it's yeah. yeah pretty much a prequel. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. But no, I, I don't know. I I got I don't have much to say. What do you, Robert? What do you think about Dalton? Uh, I'm not a big fan of Dalton. I. I... I feel like again, maybe like Lazenby, he if he had more movies, he could have found his own kind of persona for the role. Um, he was actually supposed to get more movies, but they got into this big lawsuit with uh, uh, what was his name, the guy who helped co- co-write uh, Thunderball. Oh, Thunderball, yeah, uh, Kevin McClory. Yeah, they got into that big lawsuit, and then that whole thing happened. So they kind of went on a hiatus with uh, James Bond. So. Dalton said he was always ready to do another one, but they just they they had so much going on they they couldn't do it then and and then by that time when they were ready to film again they decided to go with yeah. Brosnan but uh, yeah Dalton like it's okay I I remember when I when I was younger I liked License to Kill but then I watched it recently and it's not that great and I I do I thought Living Daylights was okay I think that's the better of the two um, but yeah I wasn't a big fan of License to Kill it was it was too Miami Vicey. And it was yeah. like, 
I don't yeah, know. Yeah, need more Don Johnson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, <laughs> but like killing, yeah, killing Felix Leiter. It's kind of like I don't know. They were just trying to do that to diff- like differentiate him. Like they were trying to make it a darker, grittier. And that's the problem. It's like the '80s wasn't really dark and grittier. It was like. It was like high kill count. It was the eighties. It, it was like Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. and Stallone and stuff like and that. Lot, yeah, and lots of cocaine. Yeah, I, I just want to say that you know when uh, when you compare Dalton to the rest of the Bonds, to me it seems like he's the least comfortable in the Bond role. You know, when you look at the other Bonds, like there's a certain ease mm-hmm. about them as far as like being Bond, but as far as Dalton, I never got that same type of ease. Like he was always. Like, you know, it felt like he was acting as Bond. He was never Bond himself. He never you know? had, like, jokes either. Like, he yeah. never had, like, the quips that Roger Moore had, but he never had, like, he wasn't, like, suave or debonair like Sean Connery. It was kind of weird. Like, he was you wearing the, James Bond's clothes, but he wasn't James Bond. Yeah. You know? In the in other guy's movie where Mark Wahlberg is like, I'm a peacock, you got to let me fly. Like, they never let... Dalton fly like yeah. I feel like he had more personality and hot fuzz than yeah. he did in all of these Bond films and I don't think that's his fault I just don't think they knew what to do with him and it was a product of the scripts like I just don't I don't know I'm not uh, actually you know his character in hot fuzz would have been a better fit in the, <laughs> the Bond movies than his, yeah. uh, the way he uh, portrayed uh, oh yeah yeah he's got personality um, he's a decent actor he just he's wasn't allowed to, to show it in the Bond movies yeah no. He tried to play it too hardcore. And again, I think that was like a product of the times where if like Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which was, a, I think, to me, was a little bit more darker in tone. If they brought those like to now, like if they, those movies were made now, they would have done a little bit better than they did then. I think uh, Dalton's movies were the least profiting of all of them at that point. Oh, yeah, they were not fans. Now, Robert, yeah. you uh, actually already mentioned it, but there's actually like a little bit of a gap between... Dalton's movies and the next guy, yeah, who uh, we have on the list here, who is admittedly the Bond that I got to got to know pretty well. The no, I mean, so the next Bond we have is Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, six years. Yeah, six years. It's a huge gap. Yep. You know, at this point, I I've already seen Bond movies, like, uh, but they were like, you know, I was still a young kid. Like these movies were kind of they just felt kind of older to me. You know, the more the Connerys. And it was just like, you know, Pierce Brosnan was like was the first Bond, new Bond to me that like I actually got excited for. You know, it was like a new Bond. Yeah. Like I was a kid, I was like, oh wow, like uh, and this Pierce Brosnan guy, like he definitely looked the part, he sounded the part. I don't know, he was uh, he was. I'm I guess I'm a little biased towards Pierce Brosnan. I don't think he's the best, but I feel like, you know, he's a personal favorite of mine. What about you guys? What do you think? Dude, Goldeneye is awesome. The beginning scene where the 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 guy bungee jumps and actually does that stunt. Yeah. I mean, and then he and then you meet uh, Sean Bean's 006. Oh, poor Sean. Uh, and then you have the 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 tank chase. You have like I don't know. I guess I, we don't have enough time to talk this entire movie through. But this is this is my fa- favorite sentimental Bond film because this is what got me into the world. I love 006. I didn't really know what 006 was talking about about how like all of his martinis drown the dreams of all the dead women that he's caused. Oh, yeah. I didn't really get that. Such a great line. Yeah. But like now I listen to it. I'm like, that's awesome. And, and I thought what Natalia, um, mm. she was a great bond woman because she wasn't a helpless victim. She was a great hacker. She knew how to shoot a gun. She could kick butt. I think she flew a helicopter at one time. 
Yeah. She just knew how to like take care of business. She wasn't like the 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 uh, helpless victim. What on that Xenia on a top was a great not great, but she was a fun Bond villain, mm-hmm. which led to that line where Brosnan was like, no more full play. And that was a great yeah. trailer moment. I, I just think it was a very smart reintroduction to Bond. And I, I love it. I love I love that film. And the fight at the end and how they kill how they kill 006. He falls like <laughs> yeah. a mile. He survives and then a satellite lands on him. Yep. I, know, I, I, I love it. That's uh see for me, like Brosnan. I never was like a huge fan of Brosnan, uh, only because I loved Goldeneye. But then after Goldeneye, I felt like every one of his movies just went downhill, like really fast too. Like tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow never dies. It was all right. It was not enough. There was some good okay. action scenes, in that, in that. and then Die Another Day. Oh God. Oh, dude, Die Another Day. I, I have one note for Die Another Day, or two, and one of them says "yuck." Yeah. And then the other one, Pierce Brosnan's talking about it, and he goes, the kite surfing is so darling. He was <laughs> laughing about that. Like, he knows it's the worst scene ever. But, hey, guys, I just want to talk about one thing. Yeah. I uh, I got the Blu-ray set uh, on my wedding registry, which was awesome. And uh, my wife and I binge watch all the Bond films. And so the world is not enough. Uh, Sophie Marceau is a great Bond villain. I think she's a good Bond girl, Bond, gil- uh, Bond uh, villain. But a lot, one person that gets a lot of crap talked about her is Denise Richards. Yeah. Now, watching every Bond film back to back, she's not that bad. She's but I not, get why everyone hates that role. Yeah. Because it makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I I feel like World Is Not Enough was their chance to bounce back after Tomorrow Never Dies. Not that Tomorrow Never Dies was horrible. It just wasn't on par with Goldeneye. And I think when World Is Not Enough came out, like it had this chance to kind of bounce back. And I think it. It's middle of the road. It's not horrible, but they they had a chance to really bring it back, and they and they didn't succeed. And I think I think it was because of the Denise Richards role. I think it was because of just like some other aspects of the movie. But it could have been really great. I mean, imagine Sophie Marceau's character in a Daniel Craig film. Oh, oh yeah, wow, that would be amazing. Sophie Marceau. That was the thing. Is like that one. That one took some dark turns too, where he's actually like shooting a woman and and like. It, like right in front of her it, and he's just standing there and he just he just shoots her because she she's saying you know you're not going to kill me you wouldn't kill me you still love me kind of thing and and he ends up shooting her and like it's such a dark moment but like <laughs> it's just overshadowed by some of the just inane stuff that didn't need to be part of of that movie i just want to say that christmas jones that, that's part of it <laughs> that brosnan's tenure as james bond i feel like is it's like the most juxtaposed because it had one of the strongest entries in the entire series in GoldenEye, mm. but also probably had the worst entry in Die Another Day. Oh, so Dying it just it yeah. starts it starts so well, then it just like drops off a cliff. I just it's hilarious. Like no other kind of Bond kind of went through that. Like it the was problem. just kind of like like Pierce Brosnan. Like it was. It was just a high, really high, and it's just really low. Like, wow. But that's the thing is, like, Die Another Day, to me, is the worst James Bond movie. It's, just, it's worse than Moonraker. It's worse than Diamonds Are Forever. It's Probably just, had the it's worst bad. theme song as well. Yeah, not the greatest oh, theme, don't song, do it. theme song. Yeah. <laughs> Madonna, her techno day. voice kind of sings it. It's, it's not good. But And, like, even Halle Berry, like, Halle Berry felt like she was phoning it in. And, like, I don't know, the villain with diamonds in his face – I mean, it could have been good, but it just wasn't. And it's not even that. 
James Bond is, like I said before, is known for its stunts. It's known for its live action, just like stunts that, that, that they always do. And they did so much CGI and die another day. That was unnecessary. Plus you take it as far as kite surfing from a large laser coming from a satellite and, <laughs> and it breaks a glacier and the glacier falls and makes this big tidal wave. And he's kite surfing between all these ice pieces of ice. And it, it was, and it looks so fake it was, it was just bad, and I don't know. I just – I do not like Die Another Day. No, and like Holly Berry had won an Oscar, yeah. but her line readings in this film are terrible. They're bad. They're horrible, and like – I don't know. The main villain, he's just what, this millionaire that had only popped up two years beforehand. He, he was a Korean guy that got like yeah. a, a transplant. Like he looks Could white make him now. white. Yeah. <laughs> a handsome white guy. Yep. <laughs> now imagine this. Imagine if uh, Miranda Frost, Rosamund Pike, was in a Daniel Craig film. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That was again. They brought kind of like this evil woman kind of role. And uh, Rosamund Pike, I love Rosamund Pike, but again, wasted in this movie. How would you compare yeah. Brosnan's depiction as James Bond to right, the so- other other James Bonds? Like, what made his James Bond different than the others? This is what I think about him. I don't think he – I think he wanted it both ways. He never went full Moore and he never went full Connery. And so he had this weird hybrid where he'd be doing these cheeky little moments. But then these terrible – I don't even think they're double entendres. They're like a single entendre. And then he would play it serious by shooting Electric King. So his roles never he, – he never gelled. I don't think he ever felt comfortable as Bond. Yeah, he wasn't really suave. He was handsome, but he wasn't like he wasn't suave and he wasn't he wasn't really funny. So, I to me, he's actually a pretty bland 007 in the sense that he's he's kind of just there to be this action star. Like he's an action star. That's what he is. Yeah, like he's a 90s just, action star. Yeah, that's that's what that's what it is. And I don't know, it's just it came across kind of bland but it's kind of sad because i think he looks the part like i think he's a very like he looks and looking, sounds like it yeah really. sounding james bond like he looks like he could play that part it's just it didn't come across as anything i think he never found he never found the role he never found like what he wanted to do with the role and again he was in four movies not as many as connery and not as many as more but i, I do think they found the role easier than he did i don't know now and then one thing, though, everyone talks about the originality of Daniel Craig's Bond, and they're great films, but I do think there are some parallels to be grabbed. Like, remember in Goldeneye, when he's driving the tank and he fixes his tie? Yeah. And then you go to uh, Skyfall, where Bond fixes his cufflink, yeah. and the world is not enough, they blow up, what is it, MI6, so yeah. they got to go to an under, undercover bunker. Um, or in World is Not Enough, where yeah, yeah. he like goes then, in the boat and he fixes his tie underwater. And then Judy Dench, uh, she has to you know, rig up a clock, but then in Skyfall, they do the light, they, they pull a full home alone. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I do think that they kind of perfected some of the things from Brazen's area era into Skyfall or well, not Skyfall, but like Casino Royale. Yeah. yeah Craig. There. Yeah. Like well, Sophie uh, Marceau and to, to, to the Vespa green. Yeah. And, uh, I do think there are some parallels. So I think those bonds were great. Because I think the producers and writers were kind of like, we were close. And they sort of like cracked the code with the Daniel Craig bonds. Yeah. Except for Quantum of Solace, which is the worst. Well, it's good that you bring up Daniel Craig because he's uh, the next person. Uh, He's the next actor on our list. Yep. The current. Where's where's Michael Keaton? Oh, yeah. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) No. So Daniel Craig is our current bond at the moment. Yep. The 
He's been in three movies so far. Right. And uh yeah, I just uh you could can you say like is uh, his tenure is kind of a reboot of the series? Because that's how it feels it's, like the producers are treating it it's as. Interesting because Casino Royale was kind of a reboot and then it felt like Skyfall was another reboot. It's like they rebooted yeah. after Die Another Day, and then they rebooted again after Quantum of Solace. Oh, gosh. That's the worst movie. But the it's, thing is, though, is that there's no really kind of hard continuity like throughout these this movies. This is where they kind of break it. They break it in the sense that you could kind of see this as all the same Bond. Like, Bond's the only – like, if you take all the characters, they're the same characters. They're the same people. They're just played by different actors, but it's the same universe. But then they bring along Casino Royale and they say, like, okay, this is the first um, Bond, right? Like, this is a prequel to all the other Bonds, right? So they bring in that, and that's supposed to be a prequel. But then Quantum of Solace takes place after that. That means that that takes place between Casino Royale and Dr. No. Then where does Skyfall take place? Because Skyfall, that would mean it takes place after Quantum of Solace. But he talks about the car from Golden Goldfinger. It's trying to bring order to chaos. It's just so that, yeah, but it doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't understand. Well, it has to take place after Casino Royale and uh, Quantum Solace because M. Judy Dench is still alive in those movies. Right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I I will say I will say something though. Like Casino Royale was a great reboot, and I think it gave us the best Bond girl. Um, Oh yeah, Vesper Lynn. I mean, Eva Green tore that role up, and and. uh, I don't know what my point was getting. I just interrupted you guys. My bad. <laughs> no, no, but uh, no, one thing I find interesting is, you know, Doug Lyman wanted to direct a uh, uh, Bond film, but they said, no, Doug Lyman had directed Go and Swingers. So Doug Lyman went and directed Born Identity, which became a massive hit. And then you could see the influence of that on the next Bond films. Yeah. So indirectly, he directed a Bond movie. <laughs> yeah, ex- absolutely. But no, you know what? And what I love about Daniel Craig is, his character came out fully three-dimensional and that opening scene with the free running. And I think that the, the thing that really establishes Daniel Craig's bond is there's a scene where he's chasing the bad guy and the bad guy jumps over a door and Pierce Brosnan, or no, I'm sorry. And Daniel Craig runs through it. Yeah. Like he's like a new battering ram. He's like a Lazenby 2.0. He's rough and tough. He's just, yeah, he's not like, he's a pit bull. Really? He's a pit bull. Yeah. They kind oh, of just dude, let if Daniel loose. Craig bites on your neck. You're done. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Put him down. No, I uh, I like Daniel Craig so far. I like what he's done with the role. Um, I I like Casino Royale a lot. That's one of my favorite. Not only my favorite Bond movies, but one of my favorite movies. And uh, I, I've noticed that people who aren't Bond fans still love Casino Royale. They love it as a movie. But I noticed that that's like a movie – that's a Bond movie for people who aren't Bond fans, whereas Skyfall I think is more of a movie for specifically Bond fans. It was a love letter to Bond fans. It was. Really. And like people who watch it – I've tried to show people who love Casino Royale. I try to show them Skyfall, and they don't fall in love with it Did you show much. them Quantum of Solace? No. Okay. I always <laughs> just skipped that yeah. one. <laughs> I, I don't hate Quantum of Solace as much as a lot of people do. I, I feel like it's middle of the road. It's not that great. It's not that good. Or it's not that great. It's not that bad. Its biggest sin is that it's boring. That's it what is. it was. And the action scenes are so choppy and badly Ugh. edited. I and that's that's just the director though. That's a uh, I forget the guy who directed World War Z also. It's the same thing. He has that choppy editing directing style and I I hate it. It gives me a headache. And uh 
but but Casino Royale and it's kind of funny because Casino Royale was directed by Martin Campbell, who also directed Goldeneye. Goldeneye. So he rebooted the franchise twice, and both of those movies were great. If you look at most like James Cameron films, Aliens, Terminator, he has these great female characters, these great leads, and mm-hmm. I think Vesper, Vespa Green did that. And Vespa so I Lane. think that's why for non-Bond fans, it was kind of this universal thing with this really fully fleshed out female character yeah. and then kind of like you know daniel craig he loved her like he was oh, yeah. sympathetic towards her like he was a battering ram but he had feelings so uh which makes sense as a prequel because you kind of get this sense that okay this is a prequel and this is why he treats women the way he does after this because <laughs> yeah. she was just a, a cold-hearted bitch oh man like, that's just what he he saw her as after so guys how would you feel about craig's Bond compared to the others. I feel like Daniel Craig's Bond is basically Sean Connery's Bond, but stripped of all the uh, the suaveness, the gentlemanness. Like it's just like you took like all the rough like rough parts of Connery's depiction and just amplified it, and then you had Craig, basically. Yeah. The, Daniel Craig kind of had like this unrefined kind of appeal that he brought to James Bond. I think it works really well here. It works in the, the content of the scripts. It yeah. works like how the stories are unfolding. He's just a dark, grittier Bond. I love what you said, though, about Casino Royale and Skyfall. Because Casino what Casino Skyfall has uh, Javier Bardem in it. And he's the quintessential Bond villain. With He comes up with the most ridiculous plot yeah. in the history of the world just to shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. And he has every infinite thing. So it really does go back to its Bond roots, whereas Casino Royale really does kind of reboot it. Yeah. I guess the most ridiculous thing about Casino Royale is the poker. Like, if you've never played poker before, oh, yeah. don't try to play poker like Casino Royale, guys. Doesn't that happen does that not, way. That does not happen. Because you'll get, like, a full right. house and still lose. Full house, full house, straight flush, <laughs> royal flush. Like, yeah, it's just like, oh, come on. Oh, man. Uh, but with, with, with Daniel Craig... I've loved two of his films, so he's he has two hits, one strikeout. Uh, I, I still think, you know, I, I want to see Spectre. I think he'll have more of an identity there. I think they let him breathe a little bit with the cufflink in Skyfall when he when he jumped on the train. But I got to go with my my favorite, still Connery. What the? Uh, yeah. How many more movies is Craig signed on for? Two more. Two more. So Spect- okay, so Skyfall just came out. I also want to point out that Quantum of Solace came out during the writing strike too, the oh, writer yeah. strike. So that's kind of what how it took a hit but yeah skyfall i I like skyfall a lot and it's going to be the same director it's going to come back sam mendez it's going to come back and direct specter with daniel craig and with all this new crew ray fines as m they're gonna have christoph waltz christoph waltz is going to be in it and a lot of people are speculating maybe a blowfelt return because blowfelt who was the the main bad or the main villain through the first like six movies and then you know reappeared a couple times throughout you know, i was hoping kevin spacey would play both that would be so awesome <laughs> it would it would be so obvious like they wouldn't do it yeah but still at the same time it's like wow i wish yeah, i would. think he could pull it off but they got the rights. That's the thing is they were they were fighting for the rights of Blofeld for a long time, and they finally just got the rights back. So I'm wondering if Blofeld will appear in Spectre. So the future is looking pretty good. There's a- the one thing I'm worried about, though, is Roger Deakins won't be back for Spectre. And yeah. he shot Skyfall, and Skyfall is hands down the best-looking Bond film ever made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the scene where they're in the uh, casino. I can't believe he didn't win oh, gosh. the Academy Award That's- for that. He is a uh, that movie Prisoners that he shot. Like he is. I mean, it, guys, if you haven't watched Skyfall, just 
put it, I mean, you, you could just put it on mute and watch the shots. Like, oh, it yeah. is a beautiful, beautiful film. Yep. So yeah. I will give that, I mean, it's the best looking Bond film, I'll have to say. Oh, yeah. I All agree. right. Well, uh, yeah, we reached the, the end of the Bond list, unless, like, uh, you count the, uh, what's it? Like, uh, <laughs> Side films, yeah. like, never. Say Never Again, right? which was the Kevin McClory-directed one, I think. <laughs> right. And, uh, I don't know. Spy, Spy Hard. <coughs> Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen. So there's, a, there's a line from Spy Hard there. Sorry, John, where he's like, uh, a guy's pointing a gun at Leslie Nielsen. He's like, when I'm done with you, you're going to look like Swiss cheese. And Leslie Nielsen's like, that's no Gouda. <laughs> Classic line. <laughs> I, hate, I hate myself for liking that joke, but I, I stuck with it. It's, it's a good one, though. I love wordplay. All right, so uh, we've gone through six actors. I think it seems like we all kind of agreed that Connery was the best, so we had to rank him somewhat. Yeah, for me, I kind of made a list, and I, I think it's... Give me it's your best of, and worst. Give me your best and worst. Connery is the best. I think Lazenby is the worst. Really? Only because Lazenby didn't get a chance to really shine. Okay. Mark, what about you? Uh, Connery is the best, Dalton is the worst but nothing against dalton i just i couldn't stand it i can't stand his bond yeah. I, I just couldn't do it I, yeah. I i wish they would have made him more jokey uh, i think he did if you watch him in hot fuzz he's funny yeah like he gets it like they never let him do that and no. so i don't like you know dalton you're listening you can call me up later uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh no I, dalton's my least favorite i uh i agree connery's the best but i do want to say that you know, depending on how his next couple of movies come out, I think Daniel Craig has a pretty good shot at uh, he does. becoming my favorite. Because he's done – because right now he's a close second behind Connery for me. Yeah, same here. Like he, he's he's done an amazing job so far. And, you know, it's – the fact that he, he even gets close to Connery, like that's that's a huge achievement. If, if Spectre turns out to be a good movie and then the next one turns out to be really good, uh, yeah, he'll probably take top spot. And the worst one is probably a surprise for many of you. Yeah, is Brosnan really? Yeah, you know it's it's weird. Like I don't I think he was the worst Bond, but he was also in my favorite Bond movie, Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah, so it's <laughs> it's kind of weird how that works out. Because he was an action star. That's yeah, just, yeah, that's what it was. All right, before we leave, <clears throat> yeah, it should be said that James Bond isn't just known for its actors. It's known for a couple couple of things. Mm. And uh, since we're running a little long, let's uh. Let's go through them real quick. Quickly, yeah. Right. So, guys, first thing I want to ask you, what or who was the best Bond girl? I'm going to have to go with Vesper Lynn from Casino Royale. I think Eva Green knocked it out of the park. I think they actually fleshed out her character more. Um, I just, yeah, I think she's the best. She's the one that, like, it kind of, I think it's the reason why people can watch Casino Royale and, and, not be Bond fans, but still love that movie because there is, like, human character development. Mm, good. Mark? All right. So, all right, Vesper, but then I'll have to go with uh, Natalia from Goldeneye. I just thought she was just – she was just down. Like, she was, she survived an attack. She outwitted on the top. <laughs> she knew how to shoot a machine gun. She knew how, how to outwit um, Boris. She was a computer hacker. She threw down. Like, uh, I, I think she was – 
But listen, if I was hanging out on a train, I'd chill with Vesper. But if I was on a mission, I would be out with uh, Natalia. I do. Yeah, I should say my honorable mentions were Tatiana Romanov, uh, Romanova from uh, from Russia with Love, just because she was so cute and playful. No, she's and, actually really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, she was. And then Teresa de Vicenzo, or whatever her name was, Diana Rigg from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, she's yeah, a, she's... She was a strong character, too. For me, I would probably... Say for an honorable honorable mention, Octopussy, just because you know <laughs> Maud <laughs> Adams, yeah, Honey Who, Rider. <laughs> surprisingly, Maud Adams played a uh, a villain before, right? And then she came back and played, yeah. or she played two characters uh, in the Bond universe. Yeah, that happens a couple Moore, times. Uh, no one's no one's paying attention. They, they've reused like <laughs> they've reused actors a bunch of times in the Bond universe. Wait, is that why the pigeon did the double take in a uh, Moon Moonraker? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, Charles uh, Gray was the like a helper of um, Sean Connery, and you only live twice, and he gets stabbed in the back. And and then he comes back. Charles Gray, the same actor, comes back as Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever. It's so <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. No, I think for me the best ball girl is Judy Dench as M. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, that's decent. I think she was great. She had her character had an arc, you know, in the later ones. Yeah. Well, she can go full on Home Alone too. Yeah, that's true. All right, guys. The uh, the next thing that deserves another uh, another mention is the gadgets. Yeah. You know, the a lot of these movies are defined by what gadget Q gives Bond. So I have to ask you guys, what is the best Bond gadget? Easy. The jetpack. Yes. <laughs> From what? Thunderball? Yes. <laughs> the slowest moving. Yeah. I love I, they the thing I love, him. like it's not so much the jetpack, it's like the helmet he's wearing. Yeah. It's like the most un James Bond look I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, why like, would seen. it why would he put on a helmet? He would just jump in that thing and get out of there. Listen, they're shooting at him. If you're willing to put on a jetpack, is a helmet really necessary? <laughs> I feel like so many other things could go wrong. Like yeah. a helmet, like it's not gonna save you. Dude, not only does he take that jetpack to the car, he gets in the car and he turns on the water hoses that come out of the back of the car and spray those guys. That was pretty good. So I'm gonna go with the uh, briefcase from with uh, from Russia with love. That's good. And uh, but the funny thing is, uh, if you think about the suitcase, it basically just holds money. Yeah, it does. And, uh, <laughs> and a knife. It's basically, just, it's basically just a briefcase. Yeah. For some <laughs> it reason, it just it. <laughs> yeah, it has a couple secret compartments, but that's it. Like th- this pouch holds money. It's like ooh. So uh, I mean, practical. I mean, it saves the day with the gas. You know, if you got to put your 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 documents in there, you're safe. You yeah. can whack somebody with it. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. If your car is stuck in a snowdrift, you could put it under the tire. So that's my that's my favorite pick. Is the briefcase from from Russia with Love? I agree with Robert. The jetpack is pretty epic. If I had to pick, <laughs> if I had to pick a second one, I'd go with the. Uh, exploding pen from goldeneye oh yeah like the thing i love about these gadgets is that like they seem really weird but they always fit like a specific situation yeah. like <laughs> later on like it's the exact thing he needs to get out i know he always gets the stuff that he needs and like it's just perfect in goldeneye because like the the exploding pen it's exactly yeah. exactly what he needed to get out of that situation i'm just like well, okay. Maybe they that's... just don't show like the other stuff that he takes from Q. That's just unnecessary. Yeah, like that's just fit in his pockets. Oh, here's he some use. bullets. Yeah, yeah. But he has like that melting pen, like the acid in his pen that he uses in Octopussy. He gets like trapped in a room, and they they lock the door, and then he has bars on the windows, and he uses like his little acid pen to melt the bars and get out. And like that's something that like he never had in any other Bond movie. But luckily, it's the one where he gets locked inside a room. Maybe Q is like a psychic. Like he just knows exactly what to give Bond. It's possible. Right. All right. So one last thing I want to ask yeah. is 
a lot of these James Bond movies, they're preceded or the titles mm. are very well done. There's like a kind of a musical musical score. I want to ask which Bond had the best theme song? This is going to be a tough one, I think. Uh, for me, I'd, I'd have to go with Goldfinger. I, I think it's just a Shirley Basie knocked it out of the park. It was, I think, the second. Well, technically, from Russia with Love had a theme song that had uh, lyrics to it, but they didn't play it in the beginning. They just played the instrumental version in the opening credits, and they played the rest of the song later on throughout the movie. Um, but Goldfinger was the first one that opened with like, you know, actual lyrics, like somebody singing a song. Um, I will say that you know I loved. Uh, Live and Let Die, Nobody Does It Better, Carly Simon's uh, song on um, The Spy You Love Me, and then I loved A Few to a Kill, which was Duran Duran. But um, Goldfinger, I think, is the top. Worst one, Madonna. Oh, die gosh. Another Day. And maybe Another Way to Die, which was the Quantum of Solace one with Alicia Keys and Jack White. Oh. Uh, they were playing, you guys were playing the Die Another Day thing before we went on, and I was, <laughs> yeah. my, I was feeling my soul just being sucked out of me. Yep. Uh, it was like what John C. Riley and Anchorman Two was the ghost of Stonewall Jackson. <laughs> just sucking, sucking it out. Souls on. <laughs> uh, my favorite is uh, what Live and Let Die. Paul McCartney. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, one it's of the, the catchiest riffs ever. Yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, yeah, Live and Let Die. I think actually, like uh, you may not agree with me on this, but the uh, the Casino Royale sung by uh, that's not bad. I forgot what his name was. It's uh, Chris Cornell. Adele. Yeah, Chris Cornell. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was Chris Skyfall. I no, actually, Adele. Adele, Adele did a pretty Adele. good job. That was Adele. Adele yeah. did a pretty good job in Skyfall. So it's one of those two. I Chris think... Cornell Casino Royale was good too. That yeah. had a different title though. It wasn't called Casino Royale. Right. So I lied was, when I said like... called mid nineties grunge music. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I did... wait. Can we also just really quick? Yeah, I, 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 I was going to say like, yeah, I lied when I say like that was the last thing. Like, yeah. Uh, so the Bond movies are also iconic because of the villains that they right. have. So I want to ask you guys, who was the best Bond villain? I think well, for me, the best Bond villain was Blofeld just because he was the leader of people such as Red Grant and number four. That's not kind of fair, though, because he was in like a, a couple movies, right? Or mentioned. Wasn't yeah, there was more Blofelds a... than Bonds? Uh, you know what? I don't know. Donald Pleasance played Blofeld. Charles Gray played Blofeld. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Who's the best Blofeld? <laughs> Donald Pleasance. Because <laughs> that's what the, the inspiration for, uh, um, what was it, uh, Dr. Evil and Austin Powers, because he had the scar on his eye and the bald head. But uh, I think Blofeld's the best villain, but I will say Jaws is the best henchman. Oh, yeah. Man. I, I got to go with, um, all right, if I was at a cocktail party, I would say Red Grant from Much of a Love. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say 006, Sean Bean, uh, Alex Trevlin. From Goldeneye, I love how he just calls Bond out on his stuff, and uh, he's just Sean Bean. I'll, I'll watch Sean Bean do anything. So he's probably I'm like the most. Yep. He's probably the most tragic villain out of all the Bonds. I yeah, think. you know he got screwed over the most, and you actually felt sorry for him. And Sophie Marceau, I would, uh, yeah, I would be in a lot of trouble. I, uh, I got to go with uh, the man with the golden gun, Francisco Scaramanga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, I think I just like saying that name, Francisco Scaramanga. Scaramanga. He had, Plus, he, he had, had like a golden gun. Like, how cool is that? And he had a third nipple, which yeah, for some reason did. was just in it. <laughs> no, it didn't really need to be there. But Played by the great Christopher Lee. Yeah. I wonder if that was just an improv on set. Like, yeah, just give him three nipples. <laughs> it'll it'll differentiate him from all the other bad guys. Christopher <laughs> Lee is just standing around and someone just like 
there's a third nipple. Like, okay. Or maybe he already has. He just has a third nipple. We're like, oh, all right, we got to write it into the show. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I think uh, the third nipple is a good place to end this <laughs> end this podcast. That's how I want to end every podcast. All right, the third nipple. Yep. Okay, that's something to shoot for. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, well, this has uh, been a pretty interesting journey, right? It has. I hope you guys. I mean, have we fun. tackled all of you know fifty years of Bond films in, in 20, about a little over an hour. Twenty three <laughs> Bond movies. I'm yeah. sure we covered everything. We yeah. didn't cut anything out. Nope. Right. I don't know. And if and if we had any mistakes, just email John and uh, he'll, he'll well, email hate, Robert. All hate all mail to John at, at, at John dot com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's a real website. All right. Uh, before we sign off, uh, let's uh, let's plug some stuff. Okay. Robert. Robert. All right, well, I mean, if you're listening to this, you're probably you've probably seen the Shark Dropper website. You can go to sharkdropper.com. Uh basically, we have all of our stuff on there. We have this podcast, Movies, Films and Flicks. We have Doppel Avenue Hurt, which is a fictional detective series, uh spoof series. Season have, 2 is coming out soon. Season 2 will be out soon. We actually have yeah, we also have a fictional series, a horror series coming out soon called Paralyzed, but you can go to the website and see uh we just released Top 5, which is me John here and our friend Jonathan, um, we get together and just rate top five anything and everything. We just pick a topic and we rate the top five of that certain topic. We have the Shark Dropper podcast, Where the Bay, which is a sports-based podcast, um, and then Horror Play, which is the uh, search for the scariest video game ever, which John here is a part of and I'm a part of, and we try to just find what we think is the scariest game ever made. Um, but yeah, you can find that all on sharkdropper.com. You can follow us at, at sharkdropper. On Twitter, we're on Instagram. I guess that's it. Also on Tinder, we're on Tinder. Swipe right on us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, stuff by uh, movies, films, and flicks. Movies, films, a n d f l i x dot com. Movies, films, and flicks with an x dot com. And also check out the new podcast, which is called The Five Things of Five Things, where you listen to Robert's podcast and we talk about the top five nice. things <laughs> of his five things that he talked about. I can't wait to do top five podcasts. It's just, uh, it's too meta. It's too meta right now. <laughs> no, wait till the uh, one that's about the top five things about the top five I'm things gonna, about the top five podcasts. I'm going to, all right, I'm going to sign off now before it gets too crazy here. Thank you so much for listening to this special James Bond episode of Movies, Films, and Flicks. I've been your host, John Lasseloff. From my co-hosts, Mark Hovmar and Robert Lamb. We'll see you guys next time.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.